Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. In this episode, we'll be discussing various topics. In Neighborhood Chat, we'll share some funny stories that happened to us this week. And finally, we'll be talking to one of my investors, Garrett, out of Reno, Nevada. We'll be talking to him about his investments and about his journey in the Memphis market since he started late last year. So turn up the volume, sit back, and listen. Hi, I'm Brett Bernard. And I'm Glenn Green. So I want to talk about the kind of investment that we're seeing here in Memphis and what our investors are, are getting. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of business in Raleigh, in Whitehaven. Um, they're older parts of town. They used to be their own cities back in the day, and they were eventually incorporated into Memphis. But most of the homes are built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, a lot of 3-1s, 3-2s, brick, uh, or traditional foundation. But What's what's kicked Raleigh off is Nike has built a huge facility. Amazon has built their one of the largest distribution centers this part of the country yep. in Raleigh. Um, and between the two of them, they're next door to each other. They take up almost a, a, a an entire mile of real estate from yeah. and probably a couple thousand employees. Yes. So that's now created this this surge of people moving. We talked earlier about you know forty seven percent of people in inside the city limits of Memphis rent they don't buy. That's so because most of them are in the in the uh, distribution business with Amazon, FedEx. I mean, you name it. There's a ton of them here. If you think about the layout of the city, a lot of that forty seven percent is going to be concentrated in the western side of the city, Raleigh, Whitehaven, Midtown, um, those areas. Because the eastern suburbs, you're going to have a higher uh, home ownership. Well, and that's that, that's the reason of the, the recent surge in Raleigh and the surge we've seen over the last several years in Whitehaven, which for those of you who don't know, Whitehaven is the home of Graceland where Elvis Presley spent most of his adult life. So... Uh, but going back to Raleigh, those two facilities, the the creation of the skate park, the new library, um, there's just so much activity in Raleigh that it's, it's created a buzz for investors because everyone knows if you've invested in Memphis, you understand why it's hot because there's such a huge rental market. Most renters make between twenty five and forty five thousand a year. They work at FedEx on a line, and they're never going to do anything more than that. So uh, why they don't? get mortgages and buy houses i don't know maybe because they don't have the credit or they don't have the down payment who knows um there are obviously programs out there that can help them buy homes but maybe they're not aware of them but in the short raleigh is probably 50 percent rental properties, at least if not more at least yeah. uh, and then the places where people own homes you typically find the elderly that have lived there since the 60s, right? Uh, they're in their 70s and their 80s, and they're still living in the same house they've been in since they got married when they were younger. So Raleigh's a really unique place to invest in, but there's a situation. I got an investor that's going to be on with us here in about 15 minutes, um, Garrett out of California. And he came to Memphis, new investor, new to Memphis altogether. Uh, he talked to several agents before he came into contact with me. Um, I spent a lot of time with Garrett talking about the Memphis market and he heard the names Raleigh and Whitehaven East Memphis and none of that meant anything to him but as we talked and I educated him um, 
he began to understand the makeup of Memphis. So we started looking at properties, and of course, you know, I set him up a search, and he's sending me all over the world looking at everything he can see. And I would go out and do the same thing. I was like, no, this is a piece of crap. This is a bad neighborhood. We're not doing it. I, I don't recommend this. Um, but through that process, he was able to educate himself on Memphis, Raleigh, Whitehaven, and understand the dynamics of why invest in Raleigh. And what if I don't want to invest in Raleigh? I want to invest in Cordova. He understood the dynamics between the ROIs. And yeah, you get a newer home, maybe a more stable tenant, but your ROI is way less versus going to Raleigh and taking a little bit more risk. So he chose Raleigh. Uh, we picked up two properties out there um, within a week of each other. And they're two very different deals. One deal was listed at 89. We ended up at 75000 he put in about six thousand dollars into it. Had an existing tenant, paying uh, eight seventy five a month. So he's in that property and he's getting about a ten percent ROI on it. This these people will probably be there for two or three more years. So he's got instant cash flow from that that purchase, and he's had no issues so far. He put a little money into it and got it where he wanted it, and so now that's fine. The second property he bought is Oxbow, which is a which is a vacant home, end of a cove, uh, very quiet little cove it was um i think it was listed at ninety nine thousand. i believe it was the asking price it had what a part of town um it's on the east side of raleigh uh it's just west of covington pike gotcha okay so we purchased a home we put an offer at ninety nine thousand because the the cma comparative market analysis said it was worth about 110 113 um did our inspection made everything contingent on inspection after inspection we realized it's going to take about 15 grand to to get it ready and get it where it needs to be so we negotiated it from there down to 83.8 so we picked it up at 83.8 he put 15,000 into it so he's ended it up what was that um 98, 98 eight, something. something like that yeah. uh, with a value of 113,000 and the rent comp says it's going to rent from anywhere from 995 to 1095 that's nice so if you do the math his his net ROI should be between 10 and 11 percent yeah so he's got one that he's going to pull about 9 to 10 he's got another one he's going to pull between 10 and 11 on so of course he's He's going to be on the show today. He's hopping, ready, trying to want to buy another one because his first two experiences were fantastic. They don't always go that way. But um, but in, in those scenarios, you can do that in Raleigh all day long if you know where to look and you know where to buy. You can do it in Whitehaven. When you get into East Memphis or Cordova or places like that, you're not going to be able to accomplish that because the values of the homes have far outpaced the, the rent comps. So yes. you can buy a home in East Memphis for $140,000, but the most it's probably going to rent for is $1,100 a month because it's about 900 square feet, two tiny bedrooms, and one bath. And that same house four years ago uh, would have sold for 120 Yeah. 110 yeah. Same thing in Cordova. Cordova's newer. Properties are built between, I don't know, mid-90s, mid-2000s, most of them. Um, but in the last two years, when investors wanted to sell their home, they wanted to sell because the values had jumped so much. So what would cost you 150000 in 2012 is selling for two hundred, two hundred ten thousand 210000 now. Yep. 
the problem with the 210000 is not a problem with it for the investor selling. The problem is for the guy who buys it because you're never going to get $2,000 a month rent out of it. So, yep. therefore, your numbers are off. And those are all uh, property owners that never wanted to be a landlord. Correct. But they bought their house, and then the crash came in 08, 07, 08, 09. And they wanted to sell, but they were so far upside down that they couldn't afford to do so. They would have been short. So they've waited all these years for the values to come back up so they could sell and get out without being short. And so if you decide you want to contact us, by the way, we have a a, a website, epmrealestate.com. Yes. Um, You can go on there. There's bios of me and glenn and uh, actually pictures pictures of us, of us. yeah so hopefully that doesn't hurt us <laughs> <laughs> don't but chase anybody if off. you go in, if you go into our bios our personal cell numbers are below there uh, i know glenn's just like me our phones are on 24 7 we always answer no matter what day of the week it is or what time it is um that's how we get our business because uh, glenn's got japanese investors you know to them uh, 2 a.m. here is, you know, their lunchtime in, in Tokyo. Yep. Uh, I've got an investor in Germany. Um, he's six or seven hours past me. So so our phone's always on. If you got any questions, you want to just talk about Memphis, you want to bounce ideas around, uh, you want to bring a harebrained idea to us and have us tell you that's the dumbest thing we've ever heard of, please feel free to do so. But we'd encourage you to call us. Um, we'd love to help you. We'd love to, to introduce you to Memphis and uh, show you how you can actually make money. And if you're not getting 9 to 10% where you're currently invested in the country, consider liquidating some of those assets, putting them in 1031, and bringing that money to Memphis. You won't be disappointed. And now, Neighborhood Chat. So I go to look at a property this morning for my, one of my investors, and I had to get it done before the eleven thirty inspection. So I went out early this morning, and I'm I'm inside the house, and you never get the feeling that you feel like somebody's watching you. Mm-hmm. You don't get that weird, creepy feeling. So I'm thinking the house is haunted, but I happen to turn around, and there's this big window in the living room, and there's this lady, got to be eighty years old, standing in front of the window, just staring at me, <laughs> looking dead at me. <laughs> And I'm like, so I walked toward the window. I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she, she started mouthing something to me. And I, I said, ma'am, you need help. And then she just walks away. So I come out of the front door, and she's in her front yard just staring. I'm like, ma'am, are you okay? Do you need help? I thought she maybe her house was burned down or something like that. So she ends up back inside. I call the agent, the listing agent. I'm like, I just need to tell you what happened because I don't know what's going on here. Well, apparently she's a mentally challenged girl, mother or woman that lives with her daughter next door to the house oh, okay. and she's re- the agent says she's recently learned how to pick the lock so she can get out so she gets out and walks around the neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> and I just happen to turn around and she's standing there in her nightgown staring at me scared well, the crap was, out of me she was just out for a walk and me, if my immediate thought was this is the beginning of a, of a really bad horror movie <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought that when I went down it'd be a gunshot you know I'd be walking to the neighborhood and somebody would rob me I didn't realize I'd you know, get a get accosted by an eighty year old woman who has mental disabilities. So, anyway, that was my morning. You know, I did have a house that I went and looked at for an investor, and it was in it was in Whitehaven. wasn't even I mean it was it was a, a reasonably good neighborhood, good for investors. And I didn't know much about the house, but you know me, I want to go look and kick the tires on every property that somebody's interested in. And I pulled up in front of the house. 
and I was looking at it from the street. And so I kind of walked around looking at it from different angles, and I was like, what are these little pock marks on the front of the house? So I walked up the driveway and realized that the entire front of the house had been shot up with a machine gun. And I walked in the house, and I counted the bullet holes. There was like 60 bullet holes, some of which went into the front, through the interior walls, and out the back. Is that the reason why the tenant vacated? (laughs) I walked outside, and one of the neighbors was outside, and he walked over, and he was kind of smiling. And I looked at him, and he said, well, obviously, someone was unhappy with the tenant. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, yeah. Well, yeah, we actually we got a few stories like that. The other ones I have aren't funny; they're kind of kind of crazy. But I mean, I guess that's anywhere. I mean, if, whether you're buying in California or Indianapolis, strange or, things happen. It happens, yeah. So hopefully, uh, next time we'll we'll have some uh, funny stories for you on the real estate field. Thanks for taking time to to get into the show. Um, you know, our show's geared around trying to educate new investors um, and uh, also give some alternative solutions for seasoned investors. So uh, before we get into what you're doing in Memphis and your experience so far, um, why don't you, just for everybody's sake, just kind of give a quick rundown of who you are, where you're from, um, what your experience is in real estate investment? Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, So I'm 39 uh, I'm from Reno. I've lived here for 16 years, uh, but originally from the Bay Area. So grew up on the peninsula about 20 miles south of San Francisco. Um, went through the dot-com boom in the 90s and saw the Bay Area just explode tremendously. Um, saw Oracle get built, EA Sports, I mean, right down the street, all these massive tech companies. Um, my sister worked for probably six different dot-com companies in a period of three years. I mean, it was just nuts. Um, wow. I moved out of the Bay in ni- when I was 19, moved up to uh, Chico, California, went to college up there for construction management, and then uh, immediately got a job right out of college, ended up moving to Reno for a six, six-month job, and I've been here ever since. So um, it's been kind of an interesting, wild ride, but now I look back and um definitely happy at where i live you know reno is is the high desert so it's a lot drier and not as green as california um but there's a lot of great outdoor opportunities to do like we're talking about you're so close to tahoe if you want to go ride dirt bikes or go hunting or whatever um a lot of open open space out here so kind of fits good with my personality and my wife's personality so we this is where we call home right now so garrett how did you get into real estate investing you know, it's always been something that our family has dabbled in a little bit, um, but never really harnessed the full potential of. So, uh, you know, mom and dad owned a rental property here and there growing up. Um, I don't think they really did it very well. Um, ended up getting rid of one of the properties, moving back into it, um, had some financial hardships. Um, my brother-in-law owned a couple rental properties. Um, Brett's actually familiar with my sister and, and brother-in-law. They're, they're making some changes right now, but there's been some influences in the family, um, real estate agents in the family. My sister was in real estate for a while. So it's always kind of been there, but I don't think I really understood how to, you know, effectively and efficiently make money 
in rental properties. Um, so it's, it's kind of a seed that was planted early on. When I moved to Reno and I met my wife, she was living in an apartment and then the housing market dropped right in 2008. And uh, we found an opportunity to buy a house for her to, her to move into before we got married and basically, you know, cover the mortgage, right? And we're like, we don't know what we're going to do with this, but you can live here instead of in an apartment. And that was really the first quote unquote rental property where she had some of her girlfriends living with her at the time. And then once we got married, uh, converted that into a full-time rental. But I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. The thing really didn't even make money looking back on the time and effort and expenses that I put into it and the rent I was charging and stuff. So um, it's been kind of a slow, slow growth since then to get get where I am now and, and really just get educated on how to be a little bit uh, smarter about picking you know investments that actually make money at this point. Tell us what brought you to the Memphis market. So just kind of going through um, the process, I guess, of, of learning more about getting educated more. Um, I, I started diving into podcasting pretty hard a couple of years ago as my commute got a little bit longer. I was doing a job east of town about an hour and a half or so. So I was just digesting a ton of podcasts, right? Um, every Every major podcast you can think of out there, right? I ended up signing up um, as a student for one of the podcast companies. And and that was huge. Um, You know, learning a lot, the ins and outs, the business side of things. And uh, he gave me some pointers on where to start. He didn't really direct me anywhere specific, but he said, you know, these are some areas that you should look at and just, just, you know, make some calls. Right. So I've actually um, been looking in the Indianapolis market for quite a long time and, and made a few offers. Um, couldn't get anything to stick that would make a, any, any decent amount of cash flow. I kind of looked in Memphis here and there, but I, you know, didn't know what I was looking at or where I was looking. Finally got fed up with, with no results in Indianapolis and finally said, you know, forget this. I'm going to call a couple different real estate agents and property managers in Memphis and, and just do some quick phone interviews and see if there's anybody who can help, help me out um, who has you know, kind of like-minded investment uh, beliefs as we do and, and go from there. And that's, that's when I got connected with EPM and, and man, it was, it was a good fit, you know, with Aaron and of course, Brett, um, we, we linked up and it was goes, <laughs> we were off and running from, I think, you know, from the first call of Brett, it was yeah. probably what, like a, two weeks, maybe Brett at the most before putting yeah. in an offer. Yep, yep. It took us a couple of weeks to kind of figure out where we wanted to go and how we wanted it to end up. But once we knew that, we were we were lighting the rockets and we were gone. Well, tell me about the purchases that y'all made here. Uh, okay, so there's there's two properties that we just picked up um, in the last. Let's see, we closed on on the last one in uh, January, and they're in the Raleigh area, um, which is you know all because of EPM and, and their knowledge of, of the area around Memphis and, and what's growing and gentrifying. And um, so those have been actually really good experiences for us to date. Both those properties needed a little bit of work. One actually has current tenants in it and the other one was unoccupied. Um, the one that was unoccupied needed about, about 20,000 or so in upgrades at this point. Um, and that was a little bit nerve wracking, but, but Brett came in with an amazing team of, of guys, uh, sunrise construction, got to give Tom a big shout out because I mean, he is awesome. 
and and I got to be honest with you guys, you know, being remote and thousands of miles away, um, I was nervous, right? You know, I don't know any of these guys, and here I'm going to wire money, right? to, to do some of these improvements. <laughs> so there's, I actually called Tom and I, and I said, Hey, you know, are you a person, you know, and, and, and it was good. It was a good call. I, I, myself, I work in the construction industry. You can see in the background, right. I'm in a onsite office right now on a job site. Um, so I'm very familiar, right. Construction contracts, how things work. And, and typically in our world, um, in the public work side of things, we, we don't pay up front, you know, we wait till the work is done and then, and then we issue payment and, yeah. um, Tom needed some money to get going. So I was, I was a little bit, uh, leery at that point, but after talking to him and understanding that this is his bread and butter, he's a down to earth guy. Um, you know, he works with Brett frequently. Um, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I got that comfort level. So it, it really wasn't an issue. And then after seeing the work that he did and the timeliness of it and the quality, I mean, it was, it was awesome. You know, just getting the pictures and the updates from you guys as things progressed and went along was, uh, was totally reassuring and, and pretty exciting. You know, now I'm, I'm hitting Brett up about other things that I'm seeing on the market and Brett's like, wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on a second. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunity out there and, and you, you've not done this yet, but you would be surprised at how many investors will send me uh a property and asked me to check it out. And when I go back to them and tell them my true feelings, they're like, but I looked at the Google map, I looked at the street view and it looks like a nice neighborhood. But yeah. That, cause that picture was taken in 2014 or 2012. Um, but that's one thing we do focus on is, and that's one thing that I try to educate everybody on is, is the true makeup of Memphis is Memphis. Isn't just Raleigh, Whitehaven, East Memphis, Cordova. Memphis is Raleigh, but you can break Raleigh down into five or six different categories, right? I mean, you can be on one street and pick up a beautiful house and great rental property and go two week, two streets over and everything's boarded up and run down. Um, so you've heard me use the term street by street every probably every time we talk about a property and that's just how it is we physically have to go out and look at it we drive the neighborhood look at the neighbors homes and i know i probably shouldn't say this but i pay attention to how many people are sitting on their front porch at noon and how many people at work uh that's a big factor for me whether or not you hear gunshots yeah, well, that's to hear that anywhere. In <laughs> no, Brett and I were looking at an apartment building for one of my investors, and I had said to him, I was like, "Man, this is just a little bit too close to the to the trouble spots." But I got out and looked at it anyway, and I was getting ready to get back in the truck, and all of a sudden, I heard half a dozen gunshots about two blocks over, <laughs> and I said, "Well, okay, I think this one has been taken off the list." Question answered. Garrett, tell us a little bit about what your expectations for rate of return, annual rate of return. What do you, what do you see? I know you've run the numbers, and they're they're subjective. That things can change, um, but what do you see as an average rate of return on these on these properties? Anticipated or actual? Either or. At the end of this year, at the end of your first twelve months, where do you see yourself being? Do you expect it? What number do you expect it to be at? So. The rule of thumb, I know a lot of people, you know, 1%, right? Or if you're um, doing a, a flip or something, 70% hour of the year or whatever. What I was yeah. taught is that you want to shoot for 250 bucks minimum 
return after all your expenses, right? After property manager fees, after uh, repairs, after some savings, whatever you're going to allocate for savings and really target that, that 250 amount. And I think right now um, I'm, I'm pretty close, pretty close to that with those two properties. Um, and that's, that's, you know, I think that's a good target to, to shoot for, right off the bat so you're taking out the management fees you're taking out you've already included your repairs your your taxes your insurance uh maintenance and reserves and at the end of the day after all that's paid and set aside your goal is to walk with 250 per property per month that's my goal that's my goal that's a reasonable goal yeah we're pretty Mm -hmm. close on that and and i know that with both those properties there's some room to go up in the future so i'm really not too worried about it if i'm 25 40, 50 bucks short right now, you know, the first year, because I know that things are, are going to um, start ticking upward. Sure. So, okay. Um, you know, and as you and I have talked in the past, I mean, this is the long game, right? And I think that was a mindset shift for me early on. And a lot of people is that this is not a get rich quick scheme, right? No. By any means, you know, this is, this is definitely kind of a longer term passive income, mailbox money, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is the the long game, but but you don't want to be losing money, which a lot of people do on rental properties. Um, a lot of people on the West Coast too, right? They pick up something just to get like a tax write-off or whatever, but they're they're just losing money. And, and to me, that doesn't make any sense. You know, why would you why would you do that? The whole point is to be making money on this stuff and and have that kind of you know fallback safety net if something goes wrong you know, to to pay for those expenses and repairs we're going to get, you know, 8% ish right now, the first year, okay. which I mean, I'm good with, right. We would, sure. 10 would be great. And I think we'll get to 10 pretty soon. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, with, with the way the market's moving, um, you know, uh, Memphis, and it's probably like this in a lot of other places we deal with what I call the rubber band effect. So right now, Raleigh is seeing an uptick in property values, but the rent comps aren't, keeping up with that increase yet so another year another year and a half that rubber band will snap back and the rent costs will begin to go up and try to match up with what property values are Um, but it doesn't happen instantly it's going to take another year year and a half for that to probably take place no for sure and i mean looking at this market here i mean hindsight is 2020 i if 10 years ago i was able to buy you know half a dozen houses i would have or or if i knew that that i should um, you know, looking back on it in the last 10 years, how much rent has gone up. It's, it's incredible. And it, yeah. you know, rent might go down, it might stay flat. Right. But it's, it's always going to go up, right. As the economy changes, as inflation increases, whatever, right. Rent's always going to tick up eventually. So it's just, sure. yeah, how much and when. And single family rentals. Yeah. Uh, trust me. I get calls from young guys, like Glenn mentioned, just got out of real estate seminar in California and, you know they've got they've got their gasoline and their lighter and they're ready to set the real estate world on fire and become billionaires but the truth of it is real estate only works if you play the long game the short game in real estate it, you might as well be dumping your money in the stock market because it's so volatile from day to day but if you spread it out over five to seven to ten years even if you see a 20 percent decrease in the market tomorrow you know without a doubt that in the next 12 24 months that market will come back and it will surpass its previous high that's real estate 101 so the only way to make money in real estate is play the long game 
You play the short game, you take a lot of risk, but that's how you lose money. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I agree with that. Okay. Well, um, do you have anything else that's on your mind? Anything you want people around the country to know? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you guys sent a great list of questions. I actually went through and, and answered them. And I think some of those answers kind of overlap a little bit, right? What's going to happen in the future? What's What do you think mm-hmm. about 2020 and COVID and where things are going? And Let's talk about that briefly. I mean, you, you're you new to Memphis in late 2020. So for me to ask you how 2020 was compared to 2021 would probably not make much sense to, to anybody listening. But let's talk about what do you expect for 2021 as far as the the real estate market property values um what do you what do you see coming i know there's a lot of experts that and there's all these varying opinions of what's going to happen the market's going to collapse it's going to correct itself it's going to keep growing from your own perspective what do you truly believe 2021 is going to be like you, you know, it's hard to tell. You hear a lot of stuff, right? TV and the radio and whatnot. And I think there's a lot of unknowns out there with interest rate hikes, forbearances. Um, right now, you know, forbearances are being pushed off a little bit longer. They're mm-hmm. they're going to pass, well, at another $2 trillion stimulus package. Um, you know, all this stuff kind of just keeps things uh, taken along, it seems like. But when is that going to end? I think that's a big question that a lot of real estate investors are wondering. The, the hard part is for people like you guys and myself that went through the 08 downturn, I think we still have mental scars and maybe even physical scars from when that happened. Oh, yeah. So we're kind of clinging tight. I mean, when COVID first came out in March and April, I know a lot of guys, um, my wife works for a construction company that does a lot of development. And, and one of the owners of the company said, we're, we're stopping, we're pumping the brakes right now. We're putting our money back in the coffer and we're hanging tight. And it's funny how six months later, it's like things are going gangbuster still. How is, yeah. you know, what, what is going on? What's driving this? And, um, you know, it's so hard to predict this shift from these urban areas to the suburban areas. And for whatever reason that is, you know, if people want to get out of COVID restricted areas and, you know, less COVID restricted areas, or now we can do all this, you know, distance learning and distance, uh, uh, working and employment and distance meeting, just like we're doing right now. I mean, the whole global uh, operation is changing, right? As we know, it, and COVID kind of brought that out. So that's been that's been interesting to me. So I see that as um, kind of a benefit for us who are the investors looking in these um, you know C class neighborhoods, these single family residence neighborhoods where people want to move out of these high dense urban areas, right. For whatever reason, maybe get into something a little bit more sparsely populated and, and live their lives, uh, raise their families, whatever, whatever that is. And I, I see that growing now the unknowns, right. Or the interest rates and whatever the economy is going to do, but, um, shoot working in construction, I get emails from suppliers all the time about costs going up on materials, whether it's drywall and metal studs and, and wood and uh, PVC, you know, that, those things, um, I don't think that's really going to, it's not going to reverse, right. It might slow down or flatline, you know, maybe we'll see some dips here and there, but the reality is the houses that you can pick up in a Memphis type area, it's cheaper to buy that house than it would be f- to build one. Right. I mean, Absolutely. you can't yeah. even buy the materials for the price you're buying a house for. That's, that's, that's the crazy part. That's how I look at it. It's like, shoot, where else are you going to be able to pick up a home for a hundred thousand dollars 
and make a couple hundred bucks a month on this thing. I mean, I feel like that's going to be a, a dwindling commodity if the rest of the world finds out about this stuff. Yeah. I almost see it as like, a, you know, a diamond in the rough, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. inventory is getting tight here. It is. You know, Glenn and I are starting to see it. So it's getting a little more difficult to find that 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 good deal that we've been, you know, that we've we're able to find for you uh, as inventory tightens up. But here, there's several things you touched on something I, that I want to expound on, and that is the cost of materials, the cost to build new homes. Now, if you got a ton of money, you don't care if it costs $200 a square foot or $150 a square foot to build a house. You're going to build your dream home, and that's going to be your house, and it's going to be worth $800,000, $900,000, million. But for the average American that buys that hundred dollars to $150,000 home, uh, average middle-class Americans, those prices are going to go up. Therefore, there's not going to, they're not going to be able to afford it. There won't be a large demand for those homes, so that will begin to dwindle the house the home building market so your high-end stuff will continue your 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 uh, medium and high density play, uh, type subdivisions will begin to fall off and slow down as that happens what we have seen we saw this after the collapse and then uh what about five four years ago shelby county put a moratorium on tapping into city sewers so they couldn't yep. build any new subdivisions so what happened we saw a resurgence of people buying up Homes built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, rehabbing them and flipping them and rehabbing them and turning them into rental properties. That is what created this huge base of inventory that we have. So the building material issue may create an, a problem for you and your employment, right, where you work because you're, you're in construction. But from the investment side for rentals, the fewer new homes that are built, the better the rental market's going to be. Do you agree with that or you th- am I – long shot in that too much no no i agree with that that's that's simple supply and demand right i mean that's sure. that's spot on so while people are sitting on their hands and not buying and i tell every one of my investors listen nothing's going to happen so dramatically so he's like well what if the market changes well so what if it changes guess what it's going to come back um so unless you're getting in and out of this in the next 12 <coughs> to 18 months your asset's going to be safe. It may depreciate this year and then appreciate next year. And the thing about that, Brett, is that you have a one-year lease. I mean, you know, how much pain are you really going to experience, right? You're locked in. You're still getting money every month unless that individual, you know, something traumatic happens, they lose their job, something, you know, it's like you said, it's so much safer than the stock market that could in a matter of two days drop, you know, who knows, right? 20%, right? Mm -hmm. Lose all that money. It's, you don't see that in real estate. It's a lot more stable. Let's take your your property in Raleigh, the one that uh, we we've got it. You're probably in it for around a ninety nine, a hundred, somewhere around there. Let's say tomorrow the market just plummets and it drops twenty percent. Have you lost anything? Only on paper. Only on paper. Now let's say another twenty four months goes by and it slowly creeps its way back to a hundred, and then it goes one hundred and ten. Have you lost anything? No. But you've gained something on paper. But during that time, you've been able to rent that property and continue to create your cash flow. So you've it hasn't actually affected you at all. The only time it would affect you is if you get into financial trouble or decide to liquidate, then you take a loss on the value of the property. But as long as you're holding the property long term, who cares what the, re- the housing market does? As long as it's rentable and you're getting rent, who cares what the value is? It's not unlike the stock market. You don't. What you don't want to do is, as soon as the market falls, you sell. 
you don't do that and that's what happens to the stock market people get scared because the stock falls and they want to get out before it gets to the bottom um, in the great recession of 08 that was driven by uh the mortgages mortgage industry and as a result you had people that lost their jobs and couldn't pay rent or couldn't pay their mortgage which created all those foreclosures that was a very unusual situation i don't see that happening again even if the stock market does fall it's not going to affect the housing market like the great recession of 08 did it's just in my opinion. And, you know, though, they talked last year and this year about how we're in a recession again. Not, not, if you go back and remember what it was like in 08, we're not in a recession. The people that are hurting now are the people that were told to stay home and don't go to work because of COVID. And all you got to do is let them go back to work. You can change that. You can change the economy. You can change the economy overnight just by saying, go back to work. And everything changes. So, going back to the uh, the Great Recession, I have a lot of friends and a lot of people that are not investors who are renting, and I even have tenants who are renting. I've been saying this for years. We're waiting for the next crash. We're waiting for the, and they still have it in their mind that there's going to be this fifty percent reduction in housing costs, and they're going to jump in. I don't see it happening, and I think a lot of people don't see that happening. I mean, you got too many safeguards in place to let that happen again with banks. I right? agree with you. So there's yeah. there's a lot of people who are sitting on the sidelines, or you know, okay, it's going to drop, it's going to drop, and you're like, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's going to do that. And look at the opportunity cost you've lost in the last three years of you know what thirty percent increase in the last three years of of you know equity values and homes. So. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes the best thing you can do is just plant the seed and then wait 10 years, right? Then you're going to have fruit. It just takes takes a little time. And that was the point I was just trying to make is that, you know, real estate is – the long game in real estate is is a safe bet. Yeah, you're, you're not going to go and play the market and, you know, make 18, 20, 25 percent annually on it. It's just – but it's a safe, long game bet. You're It's probably the safest place to put your money other than putting it in an iron box and bury it in your backyard. Basically, you usually end up looking smart in 10 years, right? Even if it was a bad investment, <laughs> you wait long enough that it comes back around. He figured it out. Damn. We bought that house in 08 and somebody had uh, bought it two years prior for about $120,000 more than what we picked it up for. And I'm like, wow, this is a screaming deal. It dropped another $80,000 in quote unquote value. It took until three or four years ago to come back to that um, $300,000 mark that that individual paid two years before we bought it. Right. So that was a deep, that was a deep return. But if you, if you own the house and it's being rented out, you know, what, what difference does it make at that point? Yeah, that's right. right. You held so on to You just got to know, that's you know, if you're making money, what does it matter? True. True. All right, man. Well, uh, Garrett, I really appreciate you calling in. Um, uh, we're going to have you back because y- you've got a lot of insight. In the con- I- I'm very interested in your opinion on the construction industry. And uh, I know you're not into building new homes, but you you seem to have a pulse for the construction market. And I think that'd be good for a different topic because, um, as I said, I believe the building – what happens in new build markets – greatly affects the rental market and some people don't see it that way some people think that well if they, we get into a recession or this happens that happens you have less tenants and people are unemployed and yeah that's certainly a factor but when you got 
70-something percent or 47 percent of people in Memphis are renters. You lose 10 percent of unemployment. You still have well over 40 percent of the people inside of city limits renting. So it's still a safer bet. But we'll discuss that. I, I would like to have you back on another day. All right. All right. Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, giving me this opportunity. This is this has really been fun for me. So, yeah, I'd, I would right. love another opportunity to come back. Sure thing. Well, we appreciate you, Garrett. Thank you, man. We'll see Thanks, you soon. Garrett. Yeah, right, talk bye. to you later. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc. Oh, 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 oh,